All right. Good morning to everyone once again. All right. Uh, first thing I want to ask is, um, we I'll refer to this briefly, but did does, did anyone not get that anyone that wants one uh, not get the seals, trumpets, and vials of the Book of Revelation handout? Uh, it just summarizes them. It has the references and kind of gives you a uh, just kind of a, a very cursory view of kind of a large portion of the book of Revelation from chapter 6 all the way to chapter 16. Anybody want one? If not, okay. If not, that's okay. I mean, I'm not going to get offended. All right, so let's turn to Matthew chapter 24 and just read a couple of verses there. And then I want to make some comments about this handout. Matthew 24, once we get there, we'll pray together. Matthew chapter 24. We will read um, We will read down in verse number 21 and 22 together. All right, let's pray together and then we'll read verses 21 and 22. Our Father in heaven, thank you for the opportunity to gather together with your people. Lord, I pray for your people, uh, for your blessing and grace to be upon them. Lord, the grace that they receive through the the, the hearing of your word, through the teaching of your word, uh, especially by your spirit. Lord, would you please meet with us in our class here this morning? I thank you for every person that's, uh, that's come out, every person that can't come but is listening. I thank you for uh, their attention. And I, I, Lord, I just pray that you would minister to them. You would give them that which they need to encourage them in their spiritual life and uh, in, in whatever, and meet whatever needs that they might have. Lord, for those that are on their way, haven't made it yet, I pray that you'd keep them safe and bless them as they come. And, and for those that uh, haven't, haven't decided to be a part of Sunday school for whatever reason, I pray that you would stir up their hearts, that they would desire to be a part, not just of our class, but also of the other classes and other people who are teaching. I do pray for those classes as well. Your blessing would be upon them and upon the students and the teachers as they teach that Lord, each one of us might be able to grow and to mature and to, uh, to know you better through uh, the Sunday school as we really try to dive deep and uh, see what your word says in detail. I pray for your blessing upon uh, everything that I say. Lord, lead me and, uh, to the words that you want to be spoken, but also to each one of us as we hear the word. Help us to hear and receive it with attention and not get distracted. Lord, we certainly do need your help in, in the way we hear your word. And so we ask for your help in that as well. And Lord, we pray for uh, your blessing on the service to follow as well, that your will would be done and that your name would be glorified. And so bless our study, please, Lord, we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. So Revelation chapter 24, I am going to ask a special member of our audience to read a verse out of 2 Peter, which I will select a special person to do that. 
In 2 Peter chapter 3, I'm going to ask my dear brother James to read 2 Peter chapter, in just a minute, not, not this second, but in 2 Peter chapter number 3 and verse, I'd like you to read um, verses 3 and three through Three through four, okay? Three and four. Second Peter three, three and four, okay? So if you'll just keep your ears open when he reads that, I'm going to read Revelation chapter 24. Just as a, as a, uh, as a preface to that, the, what, we read, what we studied last week, uh, uh, we read Revelation chapter 24 from verse number 16 down through verse number 27 and 28, especially verse 26. And there were a couple of things to mention. Number one, yes. What'd I say? There is no Revelation 24. And thereby you should have known. Exactly. I would not thank you for telling me because, because in my brain, I was saying Matthew the whole time. That's the way it works. You do. So... So as far as I'm concerned, what you've just done is given me permission to openly correct the preacher while he's preaching. No, I'm just joking. If people come in <laughs> thank you. Th- I, no, thank you. My brain was saying tw- Matthew and my mouth was saying Revelation. And only one person had the audacity to raise, raise the hand and say, um, hey, I, listen, I think, I guess there are some people that get embarrassed with that kind of thing, but I'm thankful for things like that because it makes me, it reminds me that I'm just as messed up as everybody else. And amen, amen. Matthew chapter 24. So we studied, we studied in Matthew 24, we studied uh, the abomination of desolation. We've studied that in detail. And then we we kind of saw that that was a trigger, and there were two events, there were two uh, themes at, at that time that we saw come, come into view that the Lord mentions. Number one is the flight of the children of Israel during that time, because that, that's the trigger. When the Lord says, when you see this, you better run. Don't even come down out of the, out of, off your housetop. And you're like, what are you talking about? Come down to the housetop. I don't, I don't hang out at the top of my house. Well, in Israel, they still have, there are still houses with, with flat roofs that you have access to. Cambodia was also a place that had that. So he says, don't even come down and get your stuff out of your house. You need to run immediately. So the flight of Israel, we covered that in Revelation as well. And then the second thing that we covered is, the, uh, of course, the Antichrist and the false prophet and the, the strong deception and delusion that will be present at that time that is not just like, you know, false teachers teaching, going around. To, no, there will be miracles and there will be supernatural events that, will, that, will, that, that these people will have power to perform. And that will be the, the main catalyst and the main reason that so many people are deluded to believe this, uh, the, uh, the claims of this man who proclaims himself to be God. So that's in Matthew chapter 24, but right nestled into, in the middle of that is verse 21 and 22, where the Lord says this, For then, at that time, for then shall be great tribulation, such as was not since the beginning of the world to this time, 
no, nor ever shall be. And except those days should be shortened, there should be no flesh, there should no flesh be saved. But for the elect's sake, those days shall be shortened. So we talked about last week how that this is a reference. The Lord called, actually names this period, if you, if you will, and calls it great tribulation. Now, just as a, as a matter of course, the word tribulation simply means a condition of great affliction, oppression, or misery. And when you read this, James, you're still with me with 2 Peter. Okay. When you read these things that are, that are explained in the book of Revelation, these terrible events that God says are going to happen, let me just, I'm not going to read this whole thing again, but I'll, I'll summarize. You talk about affliction. You talk about misery. You talk about pain and suffering and trouble that the Lord has said these things will come to pass. Uh, we talk about the Lord. The Lord says uh, peace will be taken from the earth. Widespread war. Uh, widespread famine. I mean, we, we have lived in such a padded, a padded world these last, my, my whole life. And most, most even you, th- you go back to even the period of World War II, uh, and although that was a, a very difficult time, that, you know, is, especially for us here in the United States, that was largely, we were shielded from that to a large degree. But even that, it really pales in comparison to what is in store. Uh, you talk about, uh, in Revelation, the, the death of one-fourth of humanity. That's in one example. Cosmic signs, you think about, you think about the terror. You know, you talk about tsunami. Who remembers the tsunami of 2003, Right? And that was, that was big news. You know, hundreds of thousands of people died in a matter of, you know, minutes. And uh, that was big news. But, and you think of those kind of major events. Well, imagine when the powers of heaven are shaken. Imagine when uh, the, there's things happening in, in, the, in the cosmos that, are, that you see with your own eyes. And this is what the Lord says is going to happen. I believe it. I mean, everything else He said will, will happen did happen. And so, uh, and I, James is going to read a verse relevant to that in just a minute. Talk about earthquakes. Uh, then there's uh, mentions of things falling out of the sky. You think of like, I don't know, asteroids, comets, whatever. You know, there's, there's not really any way to, 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 to explain those things in, you know, in a lot of detail. But it does say uh, burning, uh, burning mountains being cast into the sea. Uh, we talk about different armies. Uh, waters being made bitter or salty, not being able to be dr- uh, to be uh, drunk, and then uh, and then finally in the the very last the seven vials, uh, the sun scorching men with fire. You know the, the, some of these things you read about in science books. They've been saying it for a long time, um, and of course uh, uh, the Bible says that all sea creatures at the very end, all sea creatures will be will will die. There will be sores upon men, torture, uh, and that's, that's, that doesn't even count the things that man, mankind will do to each other, really. Now, as I read these things, as we read them in the Scripture, one thing that stands out to me is this period of time is unlike every other. And actually, in the book of Daniel, that's what, that's what the Lord said in Matthew. Listen to the words carefully in verse number 20, uh, verse 21. For then, so this is a future event, shall be great tribulation, trouble, anxiety, not anxiety, misery, distress. 
such as was not since the beginning of the world to this time, that's Jesus' time, no nor ever shall be. That's a pretty broad statement. The God who created the world says that the misery that will come on the world at this time that the Lord is mentioning will be such great misery it has never been experienced on the scale from the time that God created the world all of the way until the Lord's time and then covering even of all of time into the future. So you could say without any question, this is a unique period. All right. The book of Daniel. Let me read this verse to you. Chapter 12, in the same context, the coming of the Lord, here's what the Bible says in Daniel chapter 12, verse 1. Stay with me, James. And at that time shall Michael stand up, the great prince which standeth for the children of thy people, and there shall be a time of trouble. It's the same essence, the same word as tribulation. Such as never was since there was a nation even to that same time. That covers the entirety of human history. Now, this is a a foretaste. This is a a little bit of a foreshadowing of what we're going to study today. And at that time, thy people shall be delivered, every one that shall be found written in the book. So again, the Lord says, this is a unique time of trouble. So what I'm describing, not what I'm describing, what the Bible says is a unique time of trouble that is going to come upon this world. And now listen, this is a, you know, I know we talk about Armageddon and it's in popular culture and, and people talk about the end of the world and there's signs. What, what we were talking about last night, uh, we were at someone's house and we were talk, they were talking about the 12, 12, 12 with the, was the Aztec Inca calendar? I'm, I'm getting the wrong, I'm sorry, the wrong Native American. Mayan, thank you. Joseph always has the answer when I need the answer. (laughs) His wife is nodding and he's shaking his head. (laughs) The Mayan calendar, and that was supposed to be the end of the world, and they had predicted it, and you have Nostradamus, you have all these things. But here's the thing that's missing before James reads these verses. Here's the thing that is missing from all of this, the pop culture and the way it describes the end of the world. Here's the thing that's missing. You know what's missing? God himself. Everybody acts like the world's going to end, and it's going to end. It's not going to last forever. It's going to end. But, the, the, but what is, what is going to cause the end is Jesus Christ himself, not all these bad things and people nu- nuke themselves into oblivion. It's not that. There might be that. I don't know. But you think about the trouble that's mentioned in Scripture, there's no telling. But ultimately, in the end of the world, The end of the world revolves around the coming of Jesus Christ. That's what it's about. And God's judgment upon this world. That's what we're going to study today. Will you read these verses nice and loud so we can all hear James? And there is an idea that, well, we've never seen anything, these fantastic things we read in the Bible. We've never seen these things happen. Yeah, it says it, but maybe, it, maybe it's just, a, maybe it's just a, a figure of speech. 
Maybe it's just kind of a symbolism. Maybe these things aren't really going to happen as it's described. Or sometimes there's outright denial. These things aren't real. None of this is going to happen. You know what? The Lord says, that thought, he told us 2,000 years ago, he said people are going to have that thought. That I've never seen anything like that happen. Everything's been as it is now for all these years. You know, generation after generation, none of this has, has ever happened. Therefore, it will not happen. And God says, I know you're thinking that, but that's not the way it's happening. It is going to be unique. That, that very aspect, the very fact that it is unlike every other event in, the wor- in world history is mentioned in the Scripture. So it should be no... The question is, the question we have is, do you believe what God says? Do you believe what God says? All right, so we looked at the purposes of the tribulation. There are, th- there are mainly three, you could say two, but there are three purposes of the great tribulation. So this, this period of time when there's great judgment and anguish and misery upon the earth that is yet to come. Number one, we covered last week, God will punish the world for sin and pour His wrath upon it. We talked about that. God is not only a God of love. He is a God of love, great love. And God extends. Last week we talked about God, how God extends the offer of mercy. But when that offer is refused, ultimately and finally, then God shows that what He always was is also a God of judgment. And He will judge the world. I'm not just talking about this is what we're reading in Revelation is not just a judgment like where God looks at each person's works, although he'll do that too. This is a judgment of, this is a punishment. This is punitive. Directly for the sins of the people that are on the earth. All right, we're going to see that in a minute. But there's also a second reason that God uh, brings this period of time upon the earth, this great trouble or tribulation, is for the nation of Israel. Because God has... God has given many, many promises to that earthly people that have not yet been fulfilled. But He is going to fulfill it. And so, uh, and He will do so by delivering them. All right, so let's look at Isaiah chapter 13, if you would. Isaiah chapter 13 and verse 6. Now, I mentioned before in Matthew chapter 24 about the coming of the Lord where Jesus, our Lord himself, says, he mentions cosmic signs. Here's what he says. Hold your place in Isaiah 13. Don't lose that because we're coming right back. Jesus said in verse 29 of Matthew 24, Immediately after the tribulation of those days shall the sun be darkened and the moon shall not give her light and the stars shall fall from heaven and the powers of the heavens shall be shaken. Now these are, again, these are unique signs. They've never happened. They will happen exactly and only one time. Because these are, these are signs that are so magnificent, so unusual, that they mark the very culmination of world history. This is the end. That's why they only happen one time. They're unique, okay? Okay. But that's an important thing. Because it's unique, you can use these signs 
these heavenly signs as a marker for time because we read about it in other places in the Bible. So look at Isaiah 13, verse number 6. The Bible says this, Howl ye, for the day of the Lord is at hand. It shall come as a destruction from the Almighty. Therefore shall all hands be faint, and every man's heart shall melt. And they shall be afraid. Pains and sorrows shall take hold of them. They shall be in pain as a woman that travaileth, that is, giving birth. They shall be amazed one at another. Their faces shall be as flames. Behold, the day of the Lord cometh, cruel, both with wrath and fierce anger, to lay the land desolate. And he shall destroy the sinners out of it. You see, you're reading this language, right? The day of the Lord, this is the day, this is, this is the period, right? When the Lord is returning and he's, what is he going to do? Destroying the sinners out of it. All right, keep reading. You're, you'll start to see it'll come together in just a minute. Verse 10. For the stars of heaven and the constellations thereof shall not give their light. The sun shall be darkened in his going forth, and the moon shall not cause her light to shine. That's Matthew chapter 24, verse 29. I just read. So that sets, when the Lord said, this is a sign of his coming, right? That's what he said. That gives us, that helps us understand when this is going to happen. Not the day, not the hour, but the, the time period. So when we read in Isaiah 13, which is written 700 years before Jesus, we see the same sign. We know that he's talking about the same period. Okay? Verse 11, this is the key. At that time, here's what it says. And I, God speaking, will punish the world for their evil and the wicked for their iniquity. And I will cause the arrogancy of the proud to cease and will lay low the haughtiness of the terrible. I, I will make a man more precious than fine gold, even, man, even a man than the golden wedge of Ophir. Now, we talked about that, how that so many people, you know, in this we read about the numbers of people that God says in the Scripture, as He gives the numbers, one-third, one-half, one-quarter of men die, that kind of thing how death and destruction will be widespread. And the Lord says here, why is He doing it? Why has He told us that He is going to bring these judgments before He comes? Why? Because the world is wicked. And we know, and we've already studied this, right? This wickedness is growing. As as the days of the coming of the Lord approaches, He's already told us long ago that the, the wickedness of mankind, just like it was in the days of Noah, which is also what the Lord uses as, as an illustration of His coming. As the days of Noah, men were the wickedness of man got greater and greater and greater, and so God destroyed them with a the flood. So the wickedness of man increases, and God is not, listen now, God is not going to continue to turn a blind eye to the direction this world is going. He's not going to do it. The purpose of this great tribulation that the Lord mentions, first of all, is to punish the world. You say, well, I mean, people that die without Christ, don't they go to hell? And that's punishment. It is. But this is when the Lord steps on the scene and takes their life away from the earth, right? Takes them away. 
Because remember, the coming of the Lord is the, is the turning point. It's the introductory event of His kingdom. And so He is ridding the world of wickedness. And listen, there's, not, there's nothing wrong with the trees and Paris Mountain, and there's nothing wrong with you know, the rivers and Table Rock, and there's nothing wrong with that. The problem in the world are the people. The people are the ones that are doing the evil. The animals are not doing the evil. You know, the horses and the birds, and it's the people. And that's what the Lord's going to judge. He says very plainly. Look at verse 13. Therefore I will shake the heavens, and the earth shall remove out of her place in the wrath of the Lord of hosts. So you see the reason here. You see the source of the tribulation is the wrath of God. And in the day of His fierce anger. Now notice that, notice the mention. There's a distinction being made here between shaking of the earth, and this verse says what? Shaking of the heavens. Now that's an interesting, an interesting note. Now, look at um, Hebrews chapter 12. If you would, you can leave uh, Isaiah 13. Look at Hebrews 12. Verse 25. Look at what it says. <clears throat> See that you refuse not him that speaketh. For if they escape not who refuse him that spake on earth, much more shall, we, shall not we escape if we turn away from him that speaketh from heaven. Now listen to the words. <clears throat> Whose voice then shook the earth. He's talking about Mount Sinai, right? When God spoke from the Mount, Mount Sinai to Moses, gave the Ten Commandments, the earth shook. But this is talking about something different. But now he hath promised, saying, yet once more, I shake not the earth only, but also heaven. What do you call that? A heaven quake? And this word, yet once more, signifieth the removing of those things that are shaken, as of, as of things that are made, that those things which cannot be shaken may remain. Therefore, wherefore, sorry, wherefore, notice the words, we receiving a kingdom which cannot be moved, let us have grace whereby we may serve God acceptably with reverence and godly fear. For our God is a consuming fire. The mention of the shaking of the heavens in comparison to Isaiah chapter 13, this is one of the reasons why I think that some parts of Hebrews actually have reference to that period of time that is yet future because of verses like that, the parallel and the overlap. All right, let's look at a couple others. I'll show you. Look at Haggai. What do they call that? The white pages? Look at the prophet Haggai. After Zephaniah, that probably didn't help very much. It's the third from the last book of the, of the Old Testament. So Malachi, Zechariah, Haggai, chapter 2, verse 6. Now this verse is the verse that was quoted in Hebrews 12. Hebrews 12, 26 is actually a reference to Haggai, chapter 2. Look at what it says. 
For thus, Haggai 2, 6, For thus saith the Lord of hosts, Yet once, it is a little while, and I will shake the heavens. Now, remember, we were reading. Now, try to follow me. I know I'm going to different places, but try to follow me. In, in Isaiah 13, we were reading clearly about the coming of the Lord, the day of the Lord, right? We went to Hebrews, and Hebrews, I just mentioned that there's a, a mention of this verse, right? The shaking of the heavens. But look at what this says. Yet once it is a little while, and I will shake the heavens and the earth and the sea and the dry land. And I will shake all nations, and the desire of nations shall come, of all nations shall come. And I will fill this house with glory, saith the Lord of hosts. Now this is a reference to the coming of Christ. So this shaking of the heavens... Now, if you want me to explain what all that means, I don't really know what all it means in its entirety. It is distinguished from an earthquake. It's something greater than an earthquake. But it is a, a mark of the coming of the Lord. Now, again, this is why, just as a note of Bible study, this is one reason, again, why the book of Hebrews, at that passage, and you'll see one more in just a minute, there are hints in the book of Hebrews that, that the, the context of that is actually that period right before the Lord returns. And that's, this is one of the reasons for that. All right, look at Isaiah again, chapter 26. Isaiah chapter 26 and verse number 20. But before we get to verse 20, let's look at verse 9 and 10. There's a, there are a number of passages in the book of Isaiah that, have, that mention and uh, explain the kingdom of Christ, the millennial kingdom. And this is one of them. Look at verse 9 and verse 10 of Isaiah 26. With my soul have I desired thee in the night. Yea, with my spirit within me will I seek thee early. Now notice this, this phrase or this sentence. For when thy judgments are in the earth, the inhabitants of the world will learn righteousness. All right? That is, when God's law, God's truth is in the earth, well, the effect of that will be those that live on the earth will have a greater sense of righteousness, right? But this is not talking about just in general. This is a specific time. Look what it says. Let favor be showed to the wicked, yet will he not learn righteousness. In the land of uprightness will he deal unjustly and will not behold the majesty of the Lord. You think about the millennial kingdom of Christ, the law of God will be the law of the land. And yet people will still do evil because the source of that is not the environment, but the heart, right? The heart of man. So let's get down to what I wanted to get to in verse number 20. 20. He says, come, my people, enter into thy chambers and shut thy doors about thee. Now, who are, who are the my people? Good guess. 
I heard it. I hear whispers. It's the Jews. It's the Jews, right? It's the Jews. Come, my people, enter, enter thou into thy chambers and shut thy doors about thee. Hide thyself, as it were, for a little moment, probably about three and a half years. We studied that last week, the flight of Israel, where God hides them from the persecuting, the persecution. Notice this, until the indignation, that's anger, be overpassed. That's, this is a reference to the Jews being hidden by God during this period of great tribulation while God is pouring His wrath out upon the world. Next verse, For behold, the Lord cometh out of His place to punish the inhabitants of the earth for their iniquity. The earth also shall disclose her blood and shall no more cover her slain. So this is a perfect, this is a two-verse summary of what, what's happening in Matthew 24 and in Revelation. The, people, the Jews are hidden. They're protected by God for a short period of time, about three and a half years, during which time God is judging the world, and He's doing it because He's punishing the inhabitants of the earth for their iniquity. He sees the sin. He has shown mercy and long-suffering to them, but at that time it will be no more. At that time, it'll be no more. All right, if you would, look at 2 Thessalonians chapter 1. Verse 7. Actually, for time's sake, we'll, let's just skip down to... Actually, that's correct. I'm sorry, I was looking at the wrong chapter. 2 Thessalonians chapter 1, verse 7. Again, this is talking about the coming of the Lord. And to you who are troubled, rest with us, when the Lord Jesus shall be revealed from heaven with His mighty angels, in flaming fire taking vengeance on them that know not God and that obey not the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ, who shall be punished with everlasting destruction from the presence of the Lord and from the glory of His power. So let me say this. To those then alive and present at the coming of the Lord who do not know Him, there is reason to have great fear. Because for those that do not know God at that time, uh, the Lord is going to take vengeance on them. So the coming of the Lord is actually a frightful and a terrible event for those that don't, do not know God. And he says it. He says, this is what's going to happen. Now, a question to, to ask yourself is, am I ready for that? You think, well, I'll wait till Jesus comes and the rapture happens and then I'll believe. No, it's not that simple. It's not that simple because the opportunity is now. Right? The opportunity is now. When his love is being offered in the gospel. And many say, 
As uh, James read in 2 Peter, many say, well, from generation to generation, nothing's ever changed. Where is the promise of his coming? They've been saying Jesus is going to come for a long time. He hasn't come yet. Yeah. You know what? The Lord said that people would say that, just like I said earlier. And he says, just wait. It's coming. It's coming. And there are, as we've studied before, there are general conditions, there are signs, there are markers that are becoming more and more prevalent as we approach that time. Humanity is changing. So as we turn the page from there, uh, so the first reason that there is this great tribulation is to punish the world for its sin. But the second reason is to save Israel. Look at, we have about five minutes left, so look at the book of Deuteronomy. This is a going way back in time to the time of Moses. But notice this reference in Moses, uh, in Moses, in Deuteronomy chapter 4. Hopefully we can get through three passages and then we'll have to hold, hold off on Joel to next week. Deuteronomy chapter 4, verse number 30. Now, Moses, God is speaking through Moses to the children of Israel, right? This is at the end of Moses' life. This is the, they call it the second law, because Moses is giving them the final charge. Look at verse 30. When, talking to Israel now, when thou art in tribulation, and all these things are come upon thee. So he's talking about verse 29, but if from thence thou shalt seek the Lord thy God, and shalt find him if thou seek him with all thy heart and with all thy soul. So is, God told Israel, if you are faithful to me, you'll be blessed. But if not, I will, I will punish you. And if within, uh, from that place of punishment and chastisement and correction, you turn to me. That's, that's what we're talking about right now. He says he would have mercy on them. Verse, thir- verse 30, when thou art in tribulation. That's the correction, the chastisement. And all these things are come upon thee, even, look at this phrase, even in the latter days. That's a weird phrase to have in the book of Deuteronomy. Anybody know about how long ago Moses lived? (laughs) Many years ago. Moses lived, I think it was about... 3,500, yes, it's, it's 3,500 years ago. This is at the very beginning of the, the history of Israel here. And God's, God mentions the latter days when the time that they would be in tribulation as a result of their sin. And God says, If thou turn to the Lord thy God, and thou shalt be obedient to his voice, he will not forsake thee, verse 31, neither destroy thee, nor forget the covenant of thy fathers, which he swear unto them. And he says that right after saying, even in the latter days. Amen. Right? That's just a, an interesting kind of mention there. But notice verse 24. <laughs> in this same context, in which he mentions the latter days, he says, For the Lord thy God is a consuming fire, even a jealous God. Where did we see that earlier? In Hebrews. It's the last verse of Hebrews chapter 12. That's an interesting 
mention, uh, uh, coincidental maybe, I guess, in uh, Hebrews. All right, look at Jeremiah chapter 30. Jeremiah chapter 30 and verse number 1. Jeremiah 30, verse 1. Now watch for, the, watch for these events. As we read, watch for these events that we've already covered in Matthew 24 and other places. As you'll see them again and again. The word that came to Jeremiah from the Lord, saying, Thus speaketh the Lord God of Israel, saying, Write thee all the words that I have spoken unto thee in a book. For lo, the days come, saith the Lord, that I will bring again the captivity of my people Israel and Judah, saith the Lord. And I will cause them to return to the land that I gave to their fathers, and they shall possess it. And these are the words that the Lord spake concerning Israel and concerning Judah. For thus saith the Lord, We have heard a voice of trembling, of fear, and not of peace. Ask ye now, and see whether a man doth travail with child. Wherefore do I see every man with his hands on his loins? That's like this. Terrified, right? As a woman in travail, and all faces are turned into paleness. That's what happens when you get really afraid. Alas, for that day is great, so that none is like it. We read that earlier, right? It is even the time of Jacob's trouble, but he shall be saved out of it. Notice Jacob's trouble. Trouble, same word as tribulation. But notice this tribulation belongs to whom? Israel. This is tribulation that God has brought upon Israel for a purpose, right? Now, how do we know this is not talking about just trouble in general? And it's talk, how do we know it's talking about the actual, the, the great tribulation? Keep reading. For it shall come to pass in that day, saith the Lord of hosts, that I will break his yoke from off thy neck and will burst thy bow, bo, bo, I'm sorry, bonds. That was pretty embarrassing. Bo, 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 bo. Yeah, 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 yes, brother. And strangers no more shall serve themselves of him. Now here's the key, verse 9. But they shall serve the Lord their God and whom? David, not you. David their king, whom I will raise up unto them. Now last I checked, David has not been raised from the dead and David is not the king of Israel. But this, say, this says he will be. That's a reference to the millennium. Therefore... This passage where he says Jacob's trouble is talking about the tribulation, right? God is going to bring, just like he said in Deuteronomy, we just read, he's going to bring trouble upon Israel to turn them to him. It's their trouble. It's their trouble. This is, it's important for us to understand this fact because this informs us as we, as we, uh, as we, uh, look at the question of where the church is during this time. All right, last passage, and we'll be finished. In fact, I'm going to abbreviate this. Look at Zechariah chapter 12. Verse 8. Zechariah chapter 12, verse 8 says this. In that day shall the Lord defend the inhabitants of Jerusalem 
And he that is feeble among them at that day shall be as David, and the house of David shall be as God, as the angel of the Lord before them. And it shall come to pass in that day that I will seek to destroy all the nations that come against Jerusalem. That's a reference to Armageddon, right? And I will, notice verse 10, and I will pour upon the house of David and upon the inhabitants of Jerusalem the spirit of grace and of supplications, and they shall look upon me whom they have pierced, and they shall mourn for him as one mourneth for his only son, and shall be in bitterness for him as one that is in bitterness for his, for his firstborn. You see here God says they'll mourn. Israel will mourn when they see the Lord whom they have pierced. I'll just mention it. Maybe next week we'll pick it up. Revelation chapter 1 verse 7 says that that person whom they pierced, John 19, says that is Jesus. And when they see him whom they, the Jews, those primarily responsible for his crucifixion, when they see him whom they have pierced coming, they will mourn. Their heart will be changed. And that is one of the main purposes of the tribulation. That's one of the main purposes. We'll have to stop there because we're out of time. Let's pray.